You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula Podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. Hello, everyone. Again, I'm Carla from Amarillo, Texas, now living in the paradise of the Bay Area of California, Um, having no idea. I thought I was coming to California after retiring. My husband passed away and I stayed in Amarillo about three years, Um, had a job I'd been at it 30 years, never imagined life without him or without that job. Uh, began to get real restless, and I had visited California my entire life. My grandparents lived out here in Merced. My son lived here in the Bay Area. Uh, he came out in 2005 for college. So my husband and I actually spent our honeymoon out here um, in 1985. So I had a lot of history here. Uh, we visited here a lot, and especially um, after our son got here, we came much more often. So I always loved this area, never imagining I would come here. Um, so at that job, I had a month to travel every year. Um, I worked for a school, so I was off the month of June. So I would come out here. After my husband passed, I spent the month of June traveling about 7,000 miles. The third time I did that, I got home and I just thought, there's nothing here. You probably don't know anything about Amarillo, Texas, but I can tell you it's flat. From my backyard, I could see the sunset in New Mexico. Uh, We would look at a storm and think it was coming and it was all the way over there because there was nothing between us and the North Pole, but a barbed wire fence. Um, So I, I began to plan. It took me a year to plan to come out here. I thought In my best thinking, I thought I was coming to the Bay Area of California so that I could find a job here in a school and I could go to the beach on my way home and I could go to the city every weekend. And I thought I was coming out here just to live free and have so much to do. Um, Little did I know (laughs) when I got here, um, I was very much a compulsive overeater. Um, I had started many years previously as I found out it's a progressive disease. So for the preceding nine years before I got here, I was in horrible compulsive overeating, which was from the time I woke up until that time I went to bed. I never did binge on large amounts at a time. I just ate all the time, Uh, having no idea anything that I learned once I got here. So in my best thinking, um, I was diagnosed um, with diabetes in 2005, and it scared me because what I found out from the medical text and also just from the way I felt is I was killing myself. 
and all of my immediate family. This is my husband, his mother, and both of his sisters all died from complications of compulsive overeating. So it was in my face. It wasn't a theory. It wasn't a report I heard. I lived it. Having no idea that's the disease they had, um, still thinking, what's wrong with them? Why can't they quit? The very same thing I thought of myself every day when I woke up, I'm not going to do that today. And I continued to do it. So when I got here to the Bay Area, I had extensive dental surgery. And I was on a soft food diet for a year. And it was getting close to the time that I was going to be able to eat anything I wanted to. And this panic set in with me because I knew once I could eat anything I wanted to, that I was going to eat everything. (laughs) Um, And so for the first time that I can remember, I cried out to God, please help me. I can't stop eating. And I specifically heard OA. I didn't know what that meant. I came to my computer. I Googled OA and Overeaters Anonymous came up and I began to weep. I knew that was my answer. Having no idea what that was, not caring what that was, I knew that was my answer. All I saw was a meeting and there was a meeting the next morning in Pacifica at nine o'clock. So I closed my computer. I got up real early the next morning. I drove to the location and I couldn't get out of my car. And I drove around the block and I still couldn't get, and I drove around the block in such fear and trembling. I don't know what I thought they were going to do to me when I got in there, but it took everything in me to crawl in that door. And there were two ladies at, at this gorgeous table. And I said, can y'all please help me? I can't stop eating. And they looked at each other and they said, I think we'll read the first step. (laughs) Well, that was a meditation meeting. I had no idea that there were different meetings. I didn't know what I was even coming to. But what they did in reading, so this was in the OA 12 and 12, and we all read, took turns reading. And in that chapter that morning, I heard hope for the very first time, because up to that moment, I still thought I'm going to find the willpower and the strength to do this, to just stop doing this. Um, I want to just share a couple of three things that I got at that meeting that started me on this road to recovery. One of them was that I read that compulsive eating is an illness that cannot be controlled by willpower. Those words jumped off that page. We can now quit blaming ourselves for our compulsive overeating. I I don't I don't even know how to describe what that one idea. I learned that my malady was not just physical in nature, but that it was emotional and spiritual as well. And then I learned that my mental obsession was something I couldn't be rid of by my unaided will. And if I was to stop eating compulsively and stay stopped, that I had to find another power stronger than myself for that relief. That was my beginning. And in the beginning, I had come from, at that time, I was no longer weighing 265 pounds, though that's where I started. At that time, I was down about 25 pounds 
because of the soft food diet. Um, and so it was suggested when I got there that I was I needed a, a sponsor to work the step the 12 steps and that the 12 steps was the solution, that that's where I would find it. But I could begin reading the Brown book. So I got the Brown book and I started reading stories of people who acted like I acted, of people who thought like I thought and had the same ideas and delusion that I had lived in. And I began to attend meetings. I went to every meeting I could find. And my first, um, my first meeting was an, a how meeting in San Mateo. Um, my first meeting after that. And I went in there and they were talking about weighing and measuring their food and the, the program of how. And I walked out of there and I scoffed and I thought, I know one thing, I'm not doing that. So I got a phone call from someone from the meeting. And so she was asking me, you know, what I thought of the meeting. I was still so confused. I thought everybody was speaking well, obviously a language that wasn't Texan, but more than that, a language that wasn't even English. I didn't know what they were talking about abstinent. I didn't know. I, I was so confused at, at the, the conversations and the sharing that went on. But she's, I told her, I said, well, I don't know, but I can tell you I'm not going to weigh and measure my food. I said, now, would you be my sponsor? And she went, well, no, because I weigh and measure my food. And I went, okay. <laughs> this was the first of my scoffing. Y'all, how... How can you come so desperate to an answer that you knows your answer? And when you get the answer, you think you know more than that. Y'all, I'm from Texas. I think I'm smarter, faster, better. You know, how could I possibly get here, right? Only by divine intervention. I, I, I to this day, do not know who that was. I wish I did. Because what I would love to do is go back to her and very humbly say, you know how I was scoffing about weighing and measuring my food? Well, you know what? I finally went to a nutritionist and guess what I do? I weigh and measure my food. You know why? That's the only way I can figure out what I'm eating. I, it just, it, that was the first crack um, of breaking away from me. All these attitudes and opinions that I had thinking I knew better that I knew more and that I was so special that whatever anybody else did that worked for them, I didn't need to do that because I'm different. That had to be smashed. And it took a little while. It took a little while to smash all of those preconceived attitudes that I came in here with thinking I knew better, thinking that I could just muster the willpower to do this, even though I had years of proof that I could not do that. And then I came to believe. So I found a sponsor and I'll never forget the meeting that we were in. And she opened her mouth and everything in me melted. I wanted everything that she had. And she guided me through the steps in the big book. Now, after my first meeting, I ordered every OA piece of literature that there that there is. I got everything. And not only did I get the books, I got the workbooks. <laughs> I was just, I was armed with all of this literature thinking, I'm just going to get this. I'm going to work this. I'm going to figure this out. And then I'm going to go on about my life. I had no idea I was coming to a life. 
what is so amazing about me coming to the Bay Area of California is that in my hometown, there is no Overeaters Anonymous. There's no talk of Overeaters Anonymous. I had never heard of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I never knew that there were 12 steps of anything to do about anything. I had no idea what the big book was. Um, And when I found my sponsor, the first thing she told me was, um, okay, this is a relationship of honesty. So I need you and you need to commit to me that you're going to be honest. So I'm going to start giving you some suggestions. So the first thing is that you get the big book and you read the first 164 pages. And then you call me. Once you read it, you highlight and write down everywhere it says must and have to. So that's what I did. I did it in two days. That's how desperate I was. And then we began working the steps. And I kept going to meetings. My sponsor, I went to, um, I work in Menlo Park. So I went to mid-peninsula meetings. I went to San Francisco meetings. Um, I talked to people every day. I I sought out every single person who would give a phone number. And of course, as we all know, pre-COVID, that was face-to-face. And I loved going to meetings and, and meeting people who had the same experience I had. And I began to learn the language. And I began to learn what abstinence was. And, um, and once I became absent, once I understood what it was, it was the hardest days were the first few weeks because I ate such volumes of food for so many years up to that day. So I had lots of physical withdrawals. I had lots of discomfort. I was on medications that I had to discontinue because of not eating those volumes of food. So it was really tricky. Um, it was tricky those, and my blood sugar fluctuated up and down and my volumes of eating, you know, when I first realized that my commitment was for three meals a day, y'all, I could not imagine going five hours without eating something. I ate something every few minutes, not every few hours. And so when, in the beginning, before I could get to a nutritionist, I just ate huge volumes because I, I can't tell what a, a serving is. But I just knew that I wasn't going to eat again for five hours, so I better make it worth my while. Um, Then when I found out the actual nutrition I needed and how to eat, then I found out what my alcoholic foods were. And once I realized that, those were all the foods that I had been eating all day, every day. No wonder. I thought I could just stop that. I thought I could control it by still eating those foods. I look back now and I just see the delusion and it just flabbergasts me how the information, yes, even just getting the information was transformational. Absolutely. But finding out that even though I had the information, knowing to do better didn't make me do better. And so I just absolutely um, embraced the step work and neither was it very fun or easy. And, you know, many a day, what kept me abstinent, what kept me on my committed food. So I committed my food to my sponsor every morning. And then I talked to my sponsor every single day. And that accountability is many times what kept me out of the food, because I knew here is a woman who has everything I want. 
Here is a program of living that is everything I aspire to. And if I cannot be honest about what I'm doing, I, there's no way I can call her back and tell her, no, never mind, I didn't do that. So many a day, it was the accountability. You know, um, as I embraced uh, the my morning practice of prayer and meditation, Five I do, thank you. I do that because I'm powerless. I don't, I, I have to have direction and a power to live differently than my natural um, inclination and my addiction. But I have to have accountability because I'm human. And you know what? I can convince myself that a lie is the truth. And so I have to have that. So I just want to talk about my life today is ever changing. As I continually ask God, may your will and mine be one. You know, I used to pray, God, may your will be done, not mine. But I could do that with a clenched fist. And one day in a meeting, I heard a lady pray that prayer, God, may your will and mine be one. And I, I just leaped. I thought that I want to stay there because I want to be changed. And it's done to me, not by me, but not without me. So I know that I have only touched the tip of the iceberg. And really, even in sharing my experience, I've only touched the tip of the iceberg um, because my experience with all of you going to meetings and now with Zoom, I Zoom all over the world all week long. Um, I love acronyms. I just wanted to share this last acronym, my TGIF, every day. The T is for where is my trust? You know, and my trust is no longer in my own reasoning, in my own understanding. And then the G is for gratitude. What am I grateful for today? And the I is for inspiration. What inspires me? And, you know, I'm always inspired by a person who shares at a meeting, every meeting I go to. And then the F is for fun. And I, I, I look for something to have fun every day. And I work in an elementary school, three through fifth grade. And I tell you, those kids are fun. They can show you how to have fun. So I just want to end with, I just have so much gratitude to all of you who have traveled this high road before me. I thank you. Will, you will never be enough. You know, thank, thank you will never be enough to express my deep gratitude for this path. And to the newcomer, we're so grateful you're here. We've been waiting just for you and saved you a seat. You know, as a newcomer, I had a lady come and put her arm around me and tell me that very thing. We are so glad you're here. We've been waiting for you. And you know, every time in a meeting that I hear, we're gonna have a moment of silence for those suffering in and outside the room. What I realize is because of y'all, I got here. Thank you. Please reach out. I love connection. And thank you so much for this opportunity.